Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Pearson, and I'll be your host. Pastors of small churches can benefit from resources that can encourage them and their families to be healthier in their ministry. Uh, we have with us today Dr. Joe Wright. He is the Executive Director of the Bivocational Small Church Leadership Network. Dr. Wright, thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Kevin. It's good to be here. Well, and we have your wife here. Uh, once again, we, we're talking about this. We had some uh, little difficulty with uh, recording, but we're in good shape now. But uh, uh, Dr. Wright, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Okay. I do have my wife, Penny, with me here this morning. Uh, we travel together. We love to travel for the BSCL and the Bivocational and Small Church Leadership Network. Uh, originally, I was uh, an East Tennessee country boy, grew up in the mountains. Uh, God called me to pastor here. Uh, in in East Tennessee, and has blessed me to to pastor in North Carolina and in uh, Mississippi, and has led me back, uh, allowed me to spend 18 years as a director of missions in West Tennessee, and then for the last four years, I've served as director of the Bivocational and Small Church Leadership Network. In the process of that, just personally, I, I share Penny and I have only been married for a short period of time. We both lost our first mates to cancer, mm-hmm. and so we're we're not unaware of grief and pain and and the the burden of the ministry. Penny's first husband was a a bivocational pastor, and my, she was married for thirty two years, and I was married for thirty one years. And after a, a few years for each of us being alone, God brought us together. One of the very first resources that we worked on together uh, for the BSCLN was the development of a book and a a conference resource entitled The Pastor's Wife and the Other Woman. And we wrote a book about that, about uh, the dangers of pastors placing their family on the sidelines while they stayed focused on the welfare of the church. And even though that's a, a very laudable action, we look upon that highly, is still very dangerous for the welfare of a pastor. And so that was one of the very first resources a number of years ago that Penny and I began working on. But we're excited to be here and to talk about what the BSCLN does. Well, what do you feel like the, and and I know in the past year and a half, uh, church life has changed dramatically. And so, what do you what do you th- feel that the uh, has the need if in within this uh, pastors with a small churches has it grown or is it maintained about the same through the from beginning of this pandemic till now? The one thing that uh, we've learned through our research and just over the years of our organization is that the the smaller attendance church, the church that we focus on are those under 75, uh, Lifeway and the North American Mission Board both identify smaller attendance churches at higher numbers. Uh, at their numbers, almost four out of five of Southern Baptist churches would be considered small. We deal with uh, a tighter number, those churches that have 75 or less in them, and are primarily led by bivocational leadership. 
before COVID, the smaller attendance church was already stressed. It was already in a position where we're finding because of the graying of the pastorate, as, as many of our pastors are growing older and we have younger ministers coming on board. Second of all, it's our worldly standard of success. The, the younger ministers coming into the ministry look toward those higher uh, numbers, more lucrative positions, and, and uh, unfortunately, they're even taught to move in those ways that uh, we, we've neglected to focus on the honor and blessing of serving the small congregations in the kingdom. And so before COVID, there was already a pressure, a stress that was coming. And then COVID happened. The number one thing for the smaller attendance church are relationships. Everybody knows everybody. You're involved in everybody's business. Uh, gossip is the, the Christian newspaper of the church. And, and when all of that ceased, when, when the churches, we don't like to say they closed, but they ceased in-person worship, and they, they transitioned to the, the Facebook and the Internet-based ways of worship, we lost those relationships, both interpersonally between the church members, but also between the pastor and his flock. And, and so because of that, what we're hearing those who, and we never know who they are, but they say that there's going to be a great turnover whenever it is perceived that COVID is over, there will be a very large turnover of pastors who feel like, well, I've, I've served the church through this, this hard and terrible time, and so now I'm going to step away. And there's a fear that there's going to be a, a major pastoral turnover of either pastors leaving the, the ministry or just a lot of churches all of a sudden out of pastors. <clears throat> Working through this time over the last 18 months, I can share with you that a major portion of my interaction with pastors revolves around them seeking a way to get out of the ministry right now because the burden is so hard. They, they deal with the stress of making decisions that because of the fluidity of the situation, it changes day by day. And so what happens is, is they make a decision on Monday Wednesday, they review it. On Friday, they change it. On Saturday, everybody in the church is angry about it. And by Sunday morning, nobody knows what's going on. And this happens week after week after week. And so many of our pastors are just really running on empty right now. And we need to, one of the things that uh, I love to do is remind churches to feed their pastor, to care for him, to find ways to energize him, his family. I, I spoke with uh, the chairman of a, a group of deacons here just a, a week ago, and their pastor's got a birthday coming up. And I shared with, with him, look, do something special. And he said, well, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. I said, don't give him a cake. Give him some money and then send him away and let him rest and let him take his wife and just spend some time just just growing in that time. And I'm having that conversation more and more and more as churches are beginning to recognize their pastors are burning out. You're, you're talking about pastors who are discouraged and, and, and stepping away. Of course, we've we already kind of had a trend of that. A shortage of yes. pastors, anyway. Yes. Do you feel like that, and we're just kind of peering into the future, and this might have been pre-COVID, but uh, do you uh, believe that uh, large churches are beyond to be, begin to dwindle 
And that primarily in the future, we might have more just primarily small churches? Oh, yes, most definitely. One of the things we discovered during the last 18 months of COVID is that for larger churches, larger attendance churches to be able to continue to function, they had to separate themselves into smaller congregations. So essentially, instead of continuing to grow into that larger and larger corporate worship setting, they were splintering that into smaller groups and meeting at different times and essentially creating smaller attendance churches underneath the same roof. We also discovered that many of those solid, what we would call mid-size churches, and that definition changes based on the geographical location in the nation. In the South, uh, in a rural setting, uh, a mid-sized church might be different than what we might find in a larger city or urban setting. Maybe even out West, uh, in some of our, our much more, what we would call the frontier areas. But what we discovered is is that the, the mid-sized churches are becoming, by necessity, smaller attendance churches. As people cease to attend in person, as the the growth of the the Facebook worship generation and those in-person groups became smaller. And so what we've always taken for granted based on our research up until 18 months ago that 66% of Southern Baptist churches had 75 people or less. Now, anecdotally, we're we're beginning to believe that larger number than 66% are gonna have that smaller amount. I actually am doing two interim pastorates right now simultaneously. Excited about that, enjoying that just in my own personal life and ministry. They're both smaller attendance churches. Uh, one is is probably back close to about 50% of its pre-COVID numbers. Um, the other is probably about 75 to 80% back to what it was pre-COVID. But neither one is as strong. And, and they're both great churches, both great fellowships, both uh, strong families of faith, both uh, uh, the kind of churches that anybody would, would just kind of gravitate toward. They're, they're loving, they're caring, they're mission-minded, they reach out and watch over one another. But it's just the people have scattered. And it's kind of like the the eighth chapter of Acts where you have the dispersion of believers from Jerusalem that, that were just kind of because of the pressure that came upon the church. I, I see this in much the same way. We've got a lot of folks that just kind of moved away from the corporate body. And we're going to have to regather. We're going to have to not so much make our focus on getting them back, but making our focus on what we do so excellent that they'll want to come back. Do you think that this move because of uh, the, the past 18 months with uh, having to, no, not meeting uh, as a congregation and having to go to uh, social media or type things and then come back, do you think that has been a, a, a additional strain on a small church, those pastors? Of course, it's a new thing. Yes. Ha, have yes. they have they grasped that, or have yes. they had they spent that time just n- not doing anything? What overall, what have those small churches done? What what I'm hearing from pastors is that in a time when when they were all sequestered at home, if you will, that actually the burden of ministry was greater than 
then when they were able to get that that instant feedback from visiting and doing the things with their congregations, their their level of responsibility grew because not just the decision-making responsibility of trying to guide a group of people through an, a truly unexperienced time. We've, we've never had anything like this. And because the learning new ways, new techniques, the ability to sit down at a table like this with microphones and computers is alien to your average pastor. They don't do this on the day. The bivocational pastor has another job. Uh, probably 99.99% of them doesn't have anything to do with a microphone, a computer, and recording, or, or cameras, and those sorts of things. They, they do what we would consider normal, everyday, uh, bring home the bacon kind of jobs. And then all of a sudden, their, their church life gets turned upside down. They have to learn a whole new strategy of ministry, of being able to proclaim God's Word. They've got to set up a camera. They've got to speak. And, and at least for the first few months, they had to speak to an empty room. And for many of them, many of us, that just was not natural. Uh, we're used to looking at people and seeing the feedback on their face, whether we can make eye contact, whether they're smiling. Uh, heaven forbid they're frowning, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to see them nodding their head, maybe even whispering an amen. But when you take all of that out, the proclamation of the gospel becomes almost a very empty thing. Because it's a it's a, a very private, intimate, one-on-one presentation of the story of Jesus Christ. And when you take the other person out and the feedback you get from them, it becomes almost a cold lecture. And our pastors have struggled with that. They worry over making the connection. What they tell me is they miss their people. And probably there's no one in our churches who want to see us meeting together, hugging one another's neck, uh, shaking hands, and and weeping together in closeness. Then the pastors, the congregations are clamoring for it, but the pastors want it even more. But they also want to keep uh, their family of faith healthy. And so that, that dichotomy, that balance between those two extremes right now is a heavy burden to carry. Well, and and that's overwhelming. I mean, yes. I, I, I can only imagine, you know, they're right now they're probably listening to this podcast, these uh, bivocational pastors or small churches, especially bivocationals, they have full-time jobs, 40-hour-plus yes. a week. Yes. And they come home every night studying, yes. doing visitation, uh, preaching Sundays, Wednesdays, or virtual, doing all of it virtual. Or if they can't do all of that, they're making phone calls, uh, they're trying to stay up with, I mean, that's overwhelming. Yes. How do you spend time yes. with your family if yes. you do that? I mean, something's neglected, right? Yes. yes. And so that's why you're here, uh, mm-hmm. that you can provide those resources to help that pastor's family as well as a pastor be healthy, especially during this crisis, right? Yes. Yes, most definitely. The work of the Bivocational and Small Church Leadership Network is to develop strategies to do essentially three things. First of all, we want to engage pastors and their families where they're at. It's pretty easy to to throw together a big conference, and the guys who are in the fully funded positions, those larger churches, can take vacation time or extended study time or whatever to go to those conferences. But if you have another job, if if you are mixing the, the secular with the sacred, 
you have to take vacation time from your day job to be able to attend those things. And so most of what we have done in the past doesn't really fit the lifestyle of the bivocational pastor. And so we've got to be thoughtful and innovative in how to meet their needs. And so just finding them, building relationships with them. Most guys that uh, I work with, they they just want to know you care. They want to know that they're still uh, recognized. They want to know that they're they're loved and that there's somebody who, who has their interest at heart. Uh, there is a great sense of disconnect for a lot of smaller attendance church leaders. They, they feel like maybe they're they're the, the, the child that was never wanted, you know, or the child that can't add any extra value to the family. And so they're overlooked, and, and there they're are not the things, the, the recognitions, the honors, the, the, the blessings given to them that are often so visibly bestowed on those who, who have, have what we would sense uh, success in a worldly sense. The second place that the BSLN seeks to to interact with pastors of small churches is just uh, to uh, equip them. That first resource that Penny and I worked on, uh, the pastor's wife and the other woman, is focused at, at building that home, that home life, that marriage, that, that relationship both between a husband and a wife and, and a man and his family, and recognizing that if if not handled carefully, that comes into contact conflict with the, the contact a pastor has with his church. And so sometimes he has to choose between the woman that he is married to and the bride of another, the bride of Christ. And, and so in that resource, we focus very strongly on, on being able to differentiate what your responsibilities to the church would be as versus your responsibilities to being a husband and, and, and a father to your children. We have lots of, you mentioned earlier, dealing with time, time management, um, conflict resolution, personal health, uh, study habits, sermon preparation. All these are places that we seek to bring added value to the life of, of the, the bivocational pastor and the smaller attendance church pastor. And then finally, the, the third place that, that we want to, to really plug in is just to encourage. The, the smaller attendance pastors, the bivocational guys, truly need a cheerleader, need somebody who can step up on the national stage and say, bivocational? Why, yes, I am. Yeah. You know, and do it with a big smile on their face. Not apologetic, not unashamed, not, not ashamed, but unashamed. Able to say, you know, this is where God's called me. One of the coolest things, Kevin, that, that I've experienced here lately are, are young men coming out of seminary who are saying, God is leading me to be intentionally bivocational, to, to make the decision not to climb that spiritual corporate ladder into those larger and larger and larger churches, wherever they might be, but actually to become so adept at merging the sacred and the secular. Of, of being able to be that, that smaller attendance church pastor, but also existing out there in the world. One of the number one pros that we hear uh, given by bivocational pastors is, I can witness more to lost people in my secular position because I'm out there with them. 
I'm, I'm not a pastor that has to go hunting for lost people. I live amongst them, and, and I'm on mission every day. And, and these, these are the guys that tend to bring people to church that they've met during the week. They serve as an excellent example for all pastors to, to seek out the lost. And then that example becomes the standard for the church. When the congregation sees their pastor living that Christian faith out in the world, then the Christian begins to believe, the church member begins to believe, I can do that too. I can do that too. And so that, that encouragement, that recognition of value, that bringing of honor to a position that unfortunately, historically, traditionally within our convention, and because of our worldly standard of success being based on size, has never really been levied toward the men of faith who have, who have labored diligently in the smaller fields off by themselves. And, um, and that's what the BSLN seeks to do. Yeah, and, and I know how it's so easy to get wrapped up in uh, the world sees value in the large churches. But when we do reflect back and say, what's our purpose? It's to reach and impact people's lives for Christ. Yes. If we're doing that, yes. we're doing big things, right? Yes. Yes. And so I think that's awesome that there are students coming out going yes. into that vocational. Now, uh, Tennessee Baptist Convention does a, uh, we do a bivocational pastor's retreat yes, every January and, and pitch mm-hmm. and forwards. It's a great one-time event. Mm-hmm. We usually have about 200 uh, pastors that will come, and but that's a, a one time a year. Yes. What you're doing is continue to encourage them all year round, and that's yes. what they really need, don't they? Yes. We work 52 weeks a year, and we encourage. Uh, Tennessee has one of the best bivocational retreats of, of any of the state conventions. We, we have some good ones around, and Tennessee ranks right up there at the top of that. Uh, it's a time for pastors and their wives to, to retreat away from the church field, to be surrounded by those who understand what their lifestyle is like, to be encouraged to, to receive some equipping. But the biggest thing that we find that bivocational pastors especially and their families need is rest. I know that I'm asked, what, what's the best thing you can do to help a smaller attendance church through its pastor? The best thing that you can do is to require the pastor to be healthy. To if, if your pastor is unhealthy, if he's burned out, if he's angry, if he's bitter, if he's resentful, if, if his relationship with his family is not what it ought to be, it doesn't matter how close he's walking to Jesus. He's still a wounded individual, and, and he's not operating at full strength. And the BSLN seeks to help pastors to examine their lifestyles and to to seek those things, those places that they can improve. The number one place they can improve are the the times that they used to feed their own souls, their own bodies, their own spirits, to recognize that that they need to be strong. There was a time, you know, Jesus had had sent the guys out to do ministry, and then they all came back. They were excited about telling their stories, but they were spent. They were wore out. And, and he intentionally said, let us go aside for them to rest and for them to to regain the the perspective. See, that's what we lose. When we're tired and burned out, we lose the perspective of the world, the kingdom, and our role within it. And so because of that, we need to rebuild the, the strength within our, our uh, ministry and, and our leadership and recognize that they need 
that time away so that when they are with the church, the congregation, or, or within the kingdom at work, they're fully invested. A part of them's not still sitting back trying to figure out how to make up with their wife over something they said in anger or how to rebuild a relationship with a child because they didn't spend enough time for that child. And, and so there's lots of things. We, we're really good at chastising pastors about their personal walk with Jesus. We do that very well. Hey, you know, how much time do you spend in prayer? What time did you get up this morning to read the Word, you know? Uh, How many visits did you make this week? Or all of those questions. We're really good at levying that. We deserve an F- minus on our report card when it comes to caring for the pastor as a as a servant within the kingdom, and that's that's where the BSCN seeks to to plug in. Well, so and I'm gonna ask a question. You've basically already answered that. So, is it important for a pastor to go break away somehow uh, to just uh, disconnect from what's going on, so he can, in a, in a sense, recharge? Not necessarily time that he just. Uh, it may be a sabbatical. It may be uh, you know a, a couple of days, one day. But is that important to get away? Oh, I think most definitely. From the very beginning of time, God required us to have a Sabbath, to have a Sabbath mindset. Now, in the the modern world, uh, at least the modern church, we've equated Sabbath with church attendance. And so somehow we can't have Sabbath on any other day than maybe Sunday. The problem with that is that we don't rest. Uh, if you take a, a, a gentleman who, who works that 40-plus hour job, and then in every evening he comes home Monday through Friday, he's, he's doing things for his family, trying to shoehorn those things in. And then he's, he's still making hospital visits or home visits or, or trying to witness to lost people. And he's trying to get all that in. Saturday comes and he, he looks up and, and his sermon is not completely prepped. And so he spends all day Saturday mowing the yard, worrying about his sermon. And all of that's taken. And then Sunday... I don't, I don't care who you are, if you don't believe preaching is a challenging physical activity, then I challenge you to preach for about 30 minutes one time in, <laughs> in front of a, you know, a couple of dozen people and, and see how you're left at, at the end of pouring your heart out for 30 minutes. You do that on Sunday morning, you probably go back and do that on Sunday night, and then on Monday morning you get up and you start all over again, and you see that before too long there begins to be a fatigue Mm -hmm. that sets in because we've not had the Sabbath rest for the pastor. I've heard guys say, oh, I I still worship and I still feel the Spirit. And and, and yes, you do when you gather with God's people in church. You don't rest. And the pastor must rest so that he can have the strength to do everything else he must must do. So the answer to your question is yes, I firmly believe that not just a sabbatical or a vacation or, or getaway retreat, but on a regular systematic way, he needs a time that it is his alone. Now, how are some other uh, ways in which the people who are listening to this podcast, how would they find some resources about what you do uh, at the uh, Bivocational Small Church Network? First of all, we have a website, and and you can get there easiest by just typing in Mm smallchurch.net, and that will take you to the bscln.net website. We found that uh, remembering the 
the the letters bscln is a chore it took me six months to to get it to where it would roll off my tongue (laughs) and so one of the first things i asked our webmaster was get me a portal some way that that makes sense and and so he found smallchurch.net and so if you type in just smallchurch.net it should take you to the bscln.net on on that website is should be we try to keep it as up to date as possible we're always tweaking it and and working with it but it it includes all of our resources our library of books and leadership guides and everything that we draw from you can actually get a a copy a free copy of all of our books there just for the download the the electronic copies the pastor's wife and the other woman book is there you can download it for free we give those away all across the nation, just trying to make those resources available. Also, you'll find advertisement there, promotion of all of our conferences, our Mm -hmm. activities, our webinars. We do a monthly webinar that is focused solely on the needs of the smaller attendance church and the pastors, bivocational pastors, and other pastors who lead those churches. Uh, you don't have to be Baptist to access that. You just be uh, primarily, it's going to appeal to those who work within the small church. Also, we have a Facebook presence. You can uh, uh, type in uh, the Bivocational and Small Church Leadership Network and come to uh, our page, and I encourage you to like that. And to we have just posts on there on a regular basis of our webinars and, and different activities, different new resources, everything there. We have a, a, a pastor's group there that you can join and, uh, and just talk amongst yourself with with other pastors like-minded i also have my personal facebook which uh, uh is just joe wright and you can tell it, it's a picture of me and, and penny uh, on front big smiles on yeah. her face <laughs> and uh right up at the very top it says works for the bivocational and small church leadership network send me a friend request uh shoot me a a, a message that says hey i'm pastor of so and so i'd like to i'd like to know more and we'd love to plug you into those networks works. Uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about, we're in talks right now with a partnership with the, the convention to develop a cohort program that will start in, in 2022, where we're going to begin building small cohorts of 10 to 12 pastors, small smaller attendance church pastors, especially bivocational pastors, 10 to 12, and uh, a mentor, someone who understands that lifestyle and that ministry. To meet, we haven't decided yet whether it be a, a 13 uh, meeting opportunity over mm-hmm. six months or whether it be a 26 meeting opportunity over uh, 12 months. We don't know. But the key is, is it's free. Uh, it it uh, is inexpensive. We, we don't charge. We provide all the resources. If you'll make the commitment to give an hour every couple of weeks to meet with uh, nine or 11 uh, gentlemen just like yourself and someone who can lead you in some guided discussion about issues that you're dealing with. Uh, some will provide some reading material. won't be a lot, you know, just a few pages of something that you can kind of meditate on in preparation uh, for discussion time. And then at the end of those cohort meetings, they'll last about an hour. Uh, you'll have time to just share with the, the guys that you're building relationships. Here's what I'm dealing with. I've, I've got a, a church member that has presented this kind of issue. 
uh, how do I deal with that? I've never faced this before. Or I've got a committee that's kind of gone rogue and they're doing their own thing. Or I've got an antagonist in the church and, and man, he is after me. Sometimes it's nothing more than, than maybe the group just coming around you in prayer and lifting you up by name. And then in a couple of weeks being asked, hey, how did that turn out? How did that go? So we're excited about uh, the development of that cohort program. We're also praying if uh, if bivocational pastors are the unknown heroes or the unseen hero has to be the bivocational pastor's wife. We discover there is so very little resources that are focused toward the pastor's wife. And so we're hoping and dreaming to bring some resources to that constituency to, to reach out to especially bivocational and smaller attendance church pastor's wives to just say, you're not alone. You're not alone. One of the most challenging moments in my ministry, I was out west. I had led a, a mission team out there to work in a church field. And a visiting pastor and his wife from about 60 to 70 miles up the road, which is normal distance out west, uh, had come to make us their own version of pancakes from a starter, sourdough starter yeah. that had been in their family for like 100 years. Wow. And Kevin, it was some of the best pancakes I've ever put in my mouth. It was amazing. After we had eaten, uh, we sat around the table and were sharing prayer requests. And I noticed this other pastor's wife from 60, 70 miles up the road was sitting off by herself with her head bowed. And I could see the tears dripping off her face. And in a moment, I was just convicted. I was just convicted. And I got up from the, the group and I went over and I, I just laid my hand on her shoulder. And I said, I said, can I pray for you? And she looked up at me with the big tears and she said, I am so alone. I am so alone. There's no one who understands my life. And, and ever since that day, I've carried a burden in my heart for the welfare of the pastor's wife as much as for the pastor. And so my dream is to see the BSCLN to develop these. Well, what we'd like to ask is, is for uh, pastors who may be listening to the podcast who'd like to connect connect with us uh, on the website. You can uh, respond there and send us a quick email. Hey, my name's so-and-so, I pastor so-and-so. I'd like to just be included in the group. And uh, we'll, we'll plug you in. If, we, if we've got your email, we uh, don't send a lot of it. We don't spam at all. Uh, we'll send an email uh, usually about once a month that says, hey, here's what we're up to. Here's new resources. Here's what's coming up. Here's conferences. Go to uh, our social media, primarily Facebook, and just plug in there. Friend us uh, or like the BSCLN page. That's the best way is just to like that, and then, then you can plug in. Uh, I do my best to answer all emails and all messages that I receive through social media. But the big thing is for the pastors and their families to know they're not alone. There is an organization and if you're Southern Baptist, we're Southern Baptist. We we were birthed under under the the Home Mission Board and grew up under the North American Mission Board, and now in our adult mature stage, uh, we stand strong trying to trumpet the welfare of of the smaller attendance church. Well, Doctor Rutt, thank you for just uh, taking a few minutes of your time and just oh, yes. share with us. 
about this. Really, just a great resource for our small church uh, and bivocational pastors that uh, that not only can they glean these resources for them, but for their wife and whole family too. So thank yes. you for Penny. Thank you for sitting in on this too. Uh, for those who are listening to us right now, uh, if you're listening to uh, us on uh, our, on either iTunes or or Spotify, please leave a comment or just follow us. That that will provide a really another avenue for others to great to listen to this great resource. We would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions for Dr. Wright or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo@tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.